Welcome to the Go All In podcast. I'm your host, Robert Bruss, and today on the show, we have Catherine Amora from Change Empire Books. Now, if you've ever wanted to learn a shortcut to creating authority for your business and brand and becoming more magnetic with your marketing, then today's guest is going to share exactly how you can do that. Catherine will help you to write and publish a high-quality book so you can gain a competitive edge in your market as a published author. Let's get started. Well, good day, everyone. I trust that you're well and your family and your business are also doing well in these crazy COVID times. If you haven't already checked out the new Go All In website, I encourage you to pop on over to goallin.com.au and take a look at our brand new hub for startups and entrepreneurs. We've got some great free training and some giveaways and a whole bunch more to add in the coming weeks. So pop on over to goallin.com.au to find out more. Now, if this is your first time here at the Go All In podcast, welcome. It's great to have you here. This podcast is for you if you're just starting out in business, considering a business, or you've been a seasoned entrepreneur for years. My guests and I will give you the strategies and the tactics that you need to help you to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be faster than you ever thought possible. To get there, you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to learn some new things, but most of all, you're going to have to go all in. And I created and I do this show because there's nothing I like more than eliminating roadblocks and shortcutting the path to success. In fact, I can't wait to celebrate your success with you. So make sure you reach out to me via the Goal In socials or send me an email and I'd love to hear more about what's happening in your world. Now, before we get into the show today, just take a little peek at your phone and hit the subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll on down and hit the subscribe button. And don't forget to ring the bell there as well. That way you'll always have some motivation and some go all in love right there in your pocket. Lastly, if you like what you hear today, please share this episode with your friends and family. Catherine has an important message to share and she's got a pretty epic story as well. And if we can help just one or two other people to break through their barriers and get unstuck, then Catherine and I would have done our job here on the podcast today. Alrighty, let's get into today's show. Catherine is a book coach and an author who also does a fair bit of writing for media. She does a whole bunch of speaking gigs and she freely admits the occasional karaoke session. Now, you might be thinking of writing a book for many reasons, and Catherine specializes in helping coaches, consultants, speakers, and entrepreneurs to write and publish nonfiction books, including self-help, business books, and memoirs. Catherine has tried and tested method that ensures that once that, you, that once and for all, you get your book out of your heart and out of your head and into the manuscript that you've always wanted. Now, I know from personal experience and over 15 years of marketing that the people with a book always open the doors that they want much easier and faster than the people without a book. Once your book is complete, you'll be forever known as an author, which brings credibility, status, and a level of professionalism to your marketing that you just can't get without your own book. If you want to know the shortcut to getting it done, then grab a pen, grab a piece of paper and listen in closely. I'm excited she's here, so please help me in welcoming Catherine Mora. Catherine Mora, welcome to the Go All In podcast. That's great to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to, uh, to be talking to you about books. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, marketing is something near and dear to my heart, given it's been the last 15 or so years of my life. So I'm looking forward to getting into all of that today. But before we do that, why don't you tell the audience where you're from and how it all started for you? Yeah, well, uh, geographically, I'm in Brisbane in Australia and it's quite a long story. So I'll give you the shortened version. I also was in marketing and media for about 15 years uh, on and off, really, because I took a number of career breaks to go and do other things like live in New York and Paris and London and work on cruise ships and things like that. I kept leaving jobs to go and do something I really wanted to do. <laughs> and I built, I guess I had quite an interesting life. And people used to say to me, you should write a book, you should write a book. And I didn't really feel like anyone cared about me because I was nobody. So in the end, I decided to write a novel inspired by my experience. Right. And at the time, I thought, you know what, I might become a novelist because I've seen and done so much, I could easily write 20 books. Mm -hmm. So I wrote one book called Sex, Lies and Cruising, which was a quite a fun kind of romantic <laughs> comedy sex drama. And, uh, and, and it was a really long process of starting to write it and then stopping and then starting and then stopping. Admittedly, I did start when I had a newborn baby and then a full-time job on top of that, which was quite, you know, which proves that I'm quite delusional right off the bat. <laughs> but um, I thought now that I'm basically on holidays, I should write a book. Um, <laughs> you can tell I didn't have other children, can't you? Anyway, so the, the writing process itself was really long. And in the end, it took me almost, pretty much two years to write that book. And the last three months I wrote, I wrote the last 13 chapters in 10 weeks, actually. Mm. And how I did that, you know, I, I decided to write every day and I got a writing mentor and all of these things. And basically the book finally fell into place. Then I went through a very long process of trying to find an agent and then deciding to self-publish and all of this money I wasted on things. And it was such a long journey, but in the end it was reasonably successful. You know, I sold thousands of copies. I was in 23 media outlets in 20 days. Like it did quite well. Now, while it didn't make me enough money to leave my job, a couple of years later I went and studied coaching. And when I was trying to find my niche because, you know, you kind of, even though you could theoretically coach anyone on anything, you do need a niche. Mm. I worked with a business coach who said, well, why don't you help people market their books? And I said, well, I feel like you're nearly on the money, but I don't really want to do marketing anymore. So I actually want to help people write their books. And she said, but then you'll get stuck in the quagmire of people's minds. And I <laughs> said, but as a trained coach, I want to help them get out of the quagmire. Yeah. So that's actually how my business was born. And the reason I focused at the time on just helping people write their first draft is because typing the end on that first draft after two years of hard slog is honestly the best feeling I've, I've ever had, at, at least, you know, career-wise, yeah, yeah. professionally. Yeah. Um, it's still the proudest achievement of my life, despite the fact, you know, that it went on to do reasonably well and now I have a great business that still, that still makes me feel a bit emotional when I think of how proud I am of myself for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's where that came from, wanting to help others sort of achieve that feeling. It's a, it's a great story. I think I, I can tell just by, um, I can just tell by the inflection and the tone of your voice that you love to do yeah. what it is that you do. Um, and you love to help people uh, bring that book to life. And I, and I couldn't, 
I could tell all of that from the research that I've done in the lead up to this interview, watching a couple of videos of you and just reading the copy on your website and things like that. Uh, and I think we're just so fortunate as entrepreneurs uh, to be able to follow what really lights us up and fires us up. And I think you get to do that just a little bit more than what I do. You know, my business is kind of service-based, but yours is service-based too. But what you do is helping other people to bring out that creativity and that's what lights them up. So you get to do what you, what really fires you up and then you're helping somebody do the same thing. It's really unusual in some ways. Yeah. I feel very fortunate. Like when I, when I talk to people, you know, lots of people, you know, book calls with me to talk about writing their book and the stories that people trust me with is pretty insane as well. Um, You know, some of them are difficult stories as well, but getting people to write the book, like when their books come out, I am like the proud mum, you know, I'm, it's so exciting because some people have come to me, they've been trying to write a book for five years, 10 years. One woman had been putting it off for 20 years because even though she had all this knowledge in business, she was dyslexic and she didn't trust herself to write the book. Yeah. And when she met me at an event, actually, she said to me, oh my goodness, if I'm going to trust anybody, to help me with this it's going to be you so i do feel very lucky and i am passionate about high quality books at the same time yeah i love it i love it it's really good well Catherine, that's uh, really good stuff. And I really appreciate you uh, sharing a little bit of your background with us. And I want to get into some more of that shortly. But before we do that, people come on over to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, please, Catherine, could you please share with us your biggest Go All In story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? Yeah, certainly um, for my own business, it would be tenacity is always the word that comes up. Mm. Um, My late father was an entrepreneur and he was a true entrepreneur. You know, before the internet existed, he was reading newspapers and cutting out or circling tiny little articles about something happening in the States and then he would bring it here, you know. And uh, I like to think that I learned from him. You know, he went through a lot, became bankrupt and all of that. And I suppose what it, at first it turned me off having a business because I saw that having money was so important to him and it defined him because he'd grown up in poverty that at first I avoided having a business because I, part of me wanted to do it, but the other part of me didn't want to do it because I thought I don't want money to be so important to me that losing it makes me want to end my life. You know, like he became quite depressed, I think after, after becoming bankrupt, but then I had some work on that and I went and saw like an energy type healer person. And, and I realized I was carrying around these money stories that money has to create stress and that money has to be hard come by. And that if you lose it, it's the end. That's your dad's stories. Yeah, exactly. And I really (laughs) held on to those, you know, and, uh, he's also really the only entrepreneur I ever knew though, as well. You know, we didn't have the internet, so you didn't get to see examples. There were no podcasts, there were no, you know, and so I guess when I started my first business, I mean, obviously the book didn't exactly go to plan. I didn't make the millions of dollars that I had planned to. Then I actually created a product. So I actually created a relationship course based on some stuff I'd done to improve my own relationship. I created this course and everyone said it was great until I went to sell it. And then none of those people bought it. (laughs) And, 
And I and a friend had invested 30 grand and that basically all went up in smoke because I only made about $200 from this product. So I guess the two things I really learned was firstly that a failure doesn't make you a failure. Mm. And if you really want to do something to learn the lesson from it. So the lesson I learned when I lost that money was you did not test the market. You didn't do enough research. You didn't validate the offer. And when I eventually worked with a business coach on this business, the one on this business, she made me spend eight weeks validating the offer before I was allowed to sell anything. (laughs) So I had to interview people with my researcher hat on. And, uh, and in fact, the first out of the first five people I spoke to, four said to me, can I please do your program? So it kind of validated the offer pretty quickly. But um, yeah, I think I really, I took on board, okay, that particular business was a failure, but I learned some amazing lessons out of it. And I think that's really helped where I've come to today, you know, four years later, five years later. Mm. So that would definitely be one of the big ones. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I love I love that word tenacity. You need to have that as an entrepreneur. I think you need to have that as a human being, and we've all got it at different kind of levels, I suppose, and different versions of it. But it's not until you've really got to pay the bills for yourself and you've got to develop the skills to pay those bills that you don't realise the tenacity that you actually have inside of yourself as well. One of the things I've done recently is um. Uh, in this lockdown that we've had, I said to myself, I was going to write my masterclass and I wrote the masterclass and I, and I, uh, videoed it and I put the whole thing together and it was a really cathartic experience for me. Um, I, I guess it, it's a version of writing a book, but I'm writing scripts for myself, right? So there's right. 30 odd videos that go with the masterclass. So I, I'd, I'd written them. Um, I, I wrote them. I went away. We usually have a, have a workout, come back, have a shower, have a cup of coffee, edit it, read it out aloud, go away again, come back, get all the camera gear ready and then shoot it. So this process over a month or so was really like full on. And it was, you know, 12, 12 hours a day. It was, it was a hell of a lot of work. And on, on the end of it, as, as you say, I gave birth to this thing. And I thought to myself at the end of it, like, thank goodness I had the time to do that. When was I ever going to get to do that in my life? Yes. Unless you had the grit and the mongrel and the tenacity to get in there and have a crack at that. And that's a, that's a version, you know, declaring that you're going to go all into the world and, and commit to something is great, but it's, you know, that gets you started. Motivation gets you started, but it's the discipline, the grind and the tenacity that gets you going. Do you still need that in your business? Do you still need that today? Do you still have that? Or is it something that's kind of there and you, you can draw on it if you need to? No, no, I definitely do. And one of them really is quite financial. So, you know, I'm not someone who uh, lives in a house where, for example, my husband pays for everything. Uh, we, we pretty much go halves, you know. And so, therefore, if my business has a bad couple of months, mm. that's not like an oh well, that's actually pretty, pretty serious. Yep. So, we've had many discussions over the years over whether or not I should go back to corporate because I can make easily six figures, you know, with the experience that I have in marketing and communications and media. So I've had to actually push through some crazy times. And even at the beginning of lockdown, I, this time last, the same time last year, I think I had, uh, 12 or 13 one-on-one clients for my high ticket offer. Yeah. 
by the time lockdown was a few weeks in, I had one. Mm, same, so, same, same over, over this side, same thing happened. I think I had maybe 30 clients and then I had no clients. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I used to, by the end of last year, I was sort of juggling 20 or so, plus I did an anthology. So that was another 20. So I had 40 people I was working with. Um, and then, yeah, earlier this year, I suddenly had one and yeah. I thought, okay, what do I do? I did look at seek, but you know, there were no jobs anyway. And the jobs that I was shortlisted for all got canned. So like, you know, contract roles. So I had to say to myself, okay, I can't just let this pull me down. I have to do something. And I had often thought about creating a course. And so like you with the masterclass, I went, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to sell it before I make it monetize before I make it. And I announced on Facebook and and LinkedIn that I was creating this challenge and who wanted in and 160 people registered. And I basically ended up with 30 people in a course. And so again, I, I, and I've been in business for nearly three years now. I had to go, okay, that, you know, one-on-one isn't working right now. What am I going to do now? Boom. Just within, within a couple of weeks of lockdown, I just pivoted to, oh, pivot's the word of the century, isn't it? I pivoted to doing the course. I love it because it takes tenacity to actually commit and declare that you're going to commit to something and go for it. And then it takes even more tenacity to pivot because you're really going into the unknown. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the communication that I have on these podcasts with my guests is a, is about, reinventing yourself and it's about someone you know in their early 30s mid 40s sometimes their late 50s and they've had to use that word again pivot and start again and what is it that allows you to start again and commit Catherine if somebody is listening to this and they're kind of inspired by your story what would you say to them to give them a little nudge over the edge come on you're gonna you're committing and you're gonna go all in but you're you're still hesitating come on what would you say to encourage them to get going and take that leap into the abyss? I just find that a lot of it has to do with your energy, the energy in your sort of vibration. And I, and that might be a bit woo-woo for this audience, but I really started when I got into a point where I just thought, you know what, this isn't working. Yeah. You know, it was a couple of years ago. I've already lost money in my previous business and, you know, now I can see this one isn't working and I really started getting in my head. And for a while I just thought I just can't do it. It's not to be done. And then I I listened to a podcast actually of a guy who's now my mentor and he was talking about the energy and and how energy is everything. And if you put the right energy into things, that it changes everything. So when I was in the energy of, Oh, I've got no money. I can't pay bills. I'm about to go and I have to get it. I'm about to go back to getting a job. Um, this business is a failure. I wish I'd never left my other job because I had a really cushy, well-paid job, you know, mm-hmm. my previous role. And, and I was in that headspace. It's like it got worse. It kept feeding the beast and it was feeding the wrong beast. It was feeding the sort of negative broke beast. Yeah. And as soon as I switched up my energy and went, you know what? I love books. I'm, I'm honored to know what I know. I'm experienced. I can help people. Mm. I love telling people about how great books are. I love telling people how to navigate the publishing world. And I just switched my, it's like I just switched off the bad energy, switched on the good energy. And as soon as I did that, the people started flowing back. So I would just say there's like no dead end. Yeah. You just, you just have to, you know, it's like a cul-de-sac. You just need to come back out again 
re-examine and then just start again and, you know, make sure that you're putting the right energy in and that you're also listening to, I guess, the universe, like listening to the voices Mm. where maybe you just need to be nudged in a slightly different direction and it will be all good. I love it. I love it so much. You know, really another word for energy that I like is attention. Yeah. And they're really one of the same things. It's just uh, energy is the, I guess, the subconscious version of that. And your attention is the conscious version of that. And if you're thinking, man, I've got no money. How am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to pay the mortgage? And oh, geez, I need, I need 50 bucks. I want this. I need that. If you're constantly thinking like that, you're just resisting everything that you need. And totally. You know, in order to be successful as an entrepreneur, you've got to have a little bit of faith and you, you've, got to, you've got to look at the things that are really uncomfortable and yeah. the things that can go wrong and the things that do go wrong. And, and I find that I kind of, I don't grip my teeth and grind through it so much, but I kind of, I take a little bit of a deep breath and I take stock of it and just think, well, you know what? I've done harder things before and everything in life is about contrast and experiencing the contrast of life. And when you're experiencing something you don't want, just remind yourself of what it is that you do want. Cause you don't know that you don't want those things unless you find the things that you do want. That's yeah. the paradox amongst all of it. Right. Well, I, I do, I'm not saying I never fall into it because you know, there are times I still fall into what is rather than what I want. Yeah. And, uh, and I read a book recently, I think it was called dollars flow to me easily or something like that. And he was saying, you know, stop focusing on what is and start focusing on what you want and Mm -hmm. more of the feeling and energy and intention and whatever around what you want. And definitely I find that helps because certainly my coach at the time kept saying to me about my energy and that I was coming across as desperate in my posts and things. And I didn't see it. Mm. And, And maybe, you know, it's not something someone could pinpoint like, yes, that post right there, but I guess she could feel it because she knew me. And I kept saying to her, yeah, but it's a fact. I can't pay my bills right now. And she kept saying, stop saying that. Like (laughs) you're you're keeping yourself in it, you know, and the opposite of what you want, you've got to kind of get there. Right. And it's really hard to do. It's a very, very hard thing to do. Did it work? How long did it take that for that to work for you? I would say it was August to December in 2018 that I had no new clients. Yep. And by then January, it was like, boom, I started, I, every time I had a call with someone, I didn't have a huge amount of calls. That was still an, a bit of an issue, but I, I converted over 85, I think 80, 80 to 85% of people that I spoke to became clients Very nice. and just one after the other, boom. Yes, 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 yes. Every person I talked to. So um, yeah, it did take a few months for me to find the right people to listen to, which helped with my energy. I love it. So fixing your energy, concentrating on your attention and putting it where you want it to go. That's uh, that's the nudge you need to get over the edge and go all in and get into the abyss. It's really cool. Well, Catherine, that's um, incredible information and you're dropping value bombs left, right and center here in the podcast today. And I know the audience is going to absolutely love that because I love it and I am my audience. So that's kind of <laughs> cool. I really enjoy that. Oh, I wanted to get to the, to the very heart of how you actually help people. Cause someone asked me earlier today, I was, I was out um, getting a cup of coffee as I do in the morning and what's on for the day, Rob? I said, I've got a podcast with a lady at lunchtime <clears throat> and they said, what is it? And I said, she's a book coach. And they said, she's a what? I said, she's a book coach. And I said, what does she do? Or they said, what, what does she do? You know, 
help you read books. And I'm like, no, no, she helps you to write a book and helps you to do that. So maybe for the people that have never heard of that before, because it's, it's not a common thing. Coaching is very, very common, but book coaching is very niched and very specialized. Maybe you can kind of explain a little bit how you take people through the process and talk about that a little bit for us. Yeah. So my focus is on nonfiction and within that, you know, self-help books and memoirs are really the two areas I mostly do. And business books are related to self-help in that they're a similar format. So most people I work with are, you know, coaches, speakers and entrepreneurs, and all of them have in common really the fact that they would like to be thought leaders and they'd like to be seen as experts in their industry, go-to people in their industry, that kind of thing. So the beauty of a book, of course, is you use it to raise your profile and then you leverage it to charge more for what you're doing. So when people come to me, they always know they want to write a book, obviously, but they're often unclear. Should I write a memoir because I've got a lot in my story or should I write a self-help book? And so the first thing we do is get really clear before even picking the book is getting clear on their objective for the book. So how the book's going to help them achieve the goals that they want to achieve. Mm-hmm. I had one client who wrote a book. She was a professional speaker in the US and she was getting paid 12 to 15,000 US for a keynote. She wanted to get paid 20 to 25. And she said to me, the only way you get paid 20 plus is if you have a book because all the big boys have them. So she had a very clear objective book equals double speaking fee. I had a client in Brisbane, the same. So that might be an objective. Another objective might, people might say, well, I want to use it as a part of a, a lead magnet as part of a funnel. And I'm going to use it to grow my business in this specific way. So there's all different ways that you can use a book. And we always get clear on that right up front, because I'm really honest with people that book sales definitely can make money. And I think that became a limiting belief of mine where I said that they don't because I spoke to someone recently who made 150K last year out of her book. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, book sales aren't what make you money. It's actually leveraging the book to make money on other things because you've opened other doors of opportunity. So we get clear on that. We get clear on the genre of book. Do you want to write self-help or memoir? Within that- What's the difference between a self-help and a memoir? I know that there seems like there's a crossover, but there's definitely a delineation there because self-help is my version of what I've experienced. And that's also a version of my memoir. So with self-help, you're really speaking to the reader about a particular subject and you're educating them and helping them grow around a particular subject or topic. So a self-help might be, for example, I have a client who wrote a book uh, about affirmations. She calls it F-bomb affirmations. So this is actually teaching the reader how to create the affirmations, why they work, the science behind using an F-bomb in their affirmations, et cetera. Now, within that, she definitely has stories of hers and they bring her personality and her experience to those lessons. Makes sense. With a memoir, you never speak to the reader. Certainly people do in memoirs sometimes, but ideally my favourite type of memoir that most people enjoy is what they call creative nonfiction. So it's a memoir that's obviously nonfiction, but it's written in the style of a novel. So you're using dialogue, you're showing, not telling, you're describing and, and, you know, really bringing the reader into the moment. 
you don't address the reader directly. And something that I say to my clients is um, don't remind the reader that they're reading a book. It's a bit like, um, you know, if you're watching a really great TV show and you're yelling at the TV, like, don't go down there, don't (laughs) open the door or why did you dump him or, you know, whatever. You get so into it, you kind of forget for a minute that you're watching a TV show. It's like you're observing someone's life. So that's slightly different to a biography as well, isn't it? A biography, the, the, the real only difference really is that with a biography, they say that you're trying to cover your life and just tell people about your life. A memoir tends to be more theme specific. So I had a client who was a weight loss coach. Her memoir was specifically related to topics around her yo-yo dieting and weight, how the weight affected her job, her relationships, et cetera. So the journey in the memoir was from the first time she got told to go on a diet at the age of four through to kind of the, the more present day. And the pivotal moment was when she decided that diets didn't work because losing weight is in here, like in your head. Right. right. So the memoir is more theme specific. That's really the only kind of difference. It People makes sense. Use- I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment and it's on the car. It's called About Face and it's by a guy named Colonel David Hackworth. And, and underneath it, it says an odyssey of an American warrior. Mm. And I'm like listening to you there. I'm like, is it a biography or is it a memoir? And it feels like a hybrid of both of those things because he's telling you the story, but he's also telling you the story of his life and he's telling you the, the memoir version. So you've got a hybrid of things that are in there as well. Does it have to be a delineated thing all the time or can you mix and match? No, I mean, certainly people can be successful. It's really about Amazon giving you a category. That's the I, only reason you kind of need to define yeah, it. You've got to fit in something there. You do have yeah. to fit in that box. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to just find a category, but essentially, I mean, if you look at, book, at a book like the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners would have listened, uh, read, I say listen to, cause I also listen to a of lot course. of audio books. Yeah. Um, you know, when I, I looked at that, I have read it, but when I, when you look at it, it's got bullet points here and a story there and then talking to the reader here. And then, you know, it's, it's actually got a mix of everything and he hasn't done too badly out of that book. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, it's not the be all and end all, but like, for example, when you're telling a story, like you're the memoir, I like to teach clients how to put a bit of a hook at the end of the chapter so that people want to keep reading. So, you know, uh, ideally you don't want the reader to ever feel like, Oh, I can put this down now. Whereas, you know, sometimes people will tell a story and then at the end of the chapter, they might put lessons that they've learned or some sort of bullet points. And yes, that's also worked in popular books, but the flow of a memoir where you never speak to the reader, you go in chronological order, you take people into the moment and you never speak to the reader. You don't put anything in brackets saying, yes, dear reader, you know, like don't ever say dear reader. If you're my (laughs) client, I'll be deleting that. Um, But, you know, you never break the story to bring the reader back. You want to keep them in the moment. So that's just really the thing about a memoir or even a, a autobiography. But uh, yeah, you can certainly mix it up. And, but that's something we get clear on when I work with people, we write an outline. We work together for a few months with them writing and me giving feedback. I do written feedback, sometimes video feedback. And I tell them, Hey, you could have a story here. And they'll say, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Or I, I fix things up. I do a little bit of an edit as we go and I keep them accountable because that's definitely one of the major things. Um, and then I have a whole team that actually also does editing, book cover design, formatting, uploading, and, and all of that. Nice, nice. And, and and tell me, 
Catherine, who's a, who's an ideal client? Is it a, a coach, a speaker? Who, who is it that wants to write a book? Because I do know that uh, writing a book is like photography, right? It's, you know, every, photography is the most popular hobby in the world, especially now with mobile phones and everything like that. But pre-mobile phones, it was the number one hobby in the world that people love because they love that creative output. And I also know that I, I think statistically something like 80 or 90% of people want to write a book, but there's only like 1% of people that actually get there and, and do it. Who is the ideal client that actually falls into that 1% category and actually gets across the line? Whether they're a coach or a speaker, I guess, doesn't, doesn't worry me. Speakers used to be great because they could make the money, the money they've invested into self-publishing something of quality, they could make back in one speaking gig. Yeah. Right now, it's a tricky environment, but that, you know, that will change again, I'm sure. Same with coaching clients. They sign up one or two clients, you know, they've covered it. So what they do isn't so much of a thing, but it's someone who will, who, who is coachable in that when I say to them, hey, I think you should if they're not getting anything written and I say to them, Hey, I think you should write for 20 minutes every day as a starting point. Mm. The person who says, okay, I'm going to try that. And then they actually try it. Someone who is an action taker is really the type of person <laughs> I want to work with because <laughs> I had one guy come to me who'd been trying to work, write a book for 10 years on his own. And a, a mutual friend said, my gosh, you have to go and work with Catherine. Right. So he came to me and and, you know, he was a good writer and, and it was actually a novel and I don't normally work with novels, but I made an exception because he was a referral. And he said, and I talked about the writing schedule and when he, when I told him, look, ideally if you can write for 15 or 20 minutes a day, it'll get you momentum and the, the habit forming a bit like going to the gym. Yeah. And he said, oh, that doesn't work for me. And he came back the next week going, yeah, it doesn't work for me to write every day. And he hadn't tried it. And I said, dude, you've been trying to write this book for 10 years. <laughs> what you're new. doing is not working for you either. Yeah. So he said, okay, I'll try it. And that week he uh, was commuting actually to work at the time on the train in Sydney, 40 minutes each way. He took his laptop. He wrote for 20 minutes on the train. And all of a sudden he found that momentum. Yeah. And I said, don't get in your head and tell yourself, I can't write anything in 20 minutes. Just write for 20 minutes. Hemingway used to stop in the middle of a sentence, you know, to help himself get back into it when he sat back down again. So he started writing every day and then that gave him the inspiration to write at night. And then he wrote at lunchtime and he started feeling like an author because he was actually writing his book. Love it. And 12 weeks with me, he wrote, he finished the book that he'd tried to write for 10 years on his own. Well, I love it. That's, that's a great, great story. Great story. I, I know when I did my masterclass, it was the same thing. I had to, at first it's like such a slog because I've got the idea for the, for the topic. And so, so here's module one and here's the 10 videos in module one. And, you know, video one is, is this, and then there's five dot points I want to write about. So I've got to go do a bit of research or watch a couple of YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. I, then I formulate my thoughts in my mind. And it's like, oh my God, this thing's going to take me like years to get there just because of the process. But because I'd committed m- myself to it and I'd cleared, cleared the desk and there was nothing else going on, I kind of had no choice. And I don't know, I'd never really experienced sitting there looking at a blinking cursor. I didn't have to think about anything because I, I had a method to do yes. it with and I had a way that really worked for me. And I think that's a really important thing that you're describing there as as well to make that happen. And I really don't think I would have got there unless I had that, you know, 20 or 30 days straight, whatever it was to make it happen for myself, which is really cool. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Thanks. 
Well, Catherine, I wanted to kind of move on from what it is that you do and, and talk about what happens on the other side of it, because there's 80 or 90% of people in the world that want to write a book and maybe we can give them some inspiration and tell them what happens when you've written a book and you've alluded to it a little bit. And, and maybe I can just share a little bit of my experience as well in the last 15 or so years working in digital marketing, having my own agency and whatnot. I've worked a lot in the personal branding space and I've helped a lot of people with their personal brands and inevitably the people with their own podcast, YouTube channel or book or the combination of all three of those things open way more doors than the people that don't have those things because you get to lead with credibility. You get to lead with a bit more authority and it just Mm -hmm. positions yourself. You know, it's about what is your message? What is, what is the market and what is the positioning of your message within that market? You know, they're the three kind of the golden triangle, if you like, of things that are happening there. And I know that the people with books were always seen as more of an authority and it opened more doors for them because we could just leverage the fact that they'd had a book and against the people that didn't have a book, it's hard to say because they they were different people in the branding space, but the ones with the book, they were more successful and maybe you can share some success stories with us. So somebody's listening to this and they're like, yep, I'd love to write a book. Yes. I'd love to work with Catherine, but what happens on completion of it? Because in some ways writing the book is well, the easy part, actually selling it and leveraging it is where the work really begins on the other side of it. Yeah. It's like part one and part two. I think they both have their challenges. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of my clients, I think something before I get onto one of my, uh, you know, some of my success stories, I guess, one of the things that struck me as you were saying that, and I suppose it's never really occurred to me in this way before that when you talked about the people who are more successful, they had those things. I think it also shows that those are the people who are disciplined mm. because writing a book isn't really about talent. It's about discipline. And that's something that I learned that inspired me with writing my book, you know, when I decided to write every day. So yeah, that did actually occur to me when you said that. And when I look at my clients, I've got a whole bunch of books here um, on my desk. As a good example of a, a success story, Carly Marie, who wrote Soul Modes, she's a coach for women. And when she came to me, look, she's already a good writer. She actually has a, um, has completed part of a degree in publishing. But she said, you know, the publishing landscape's so overwhelming. I just want some support. Mm. Now, you know, the things that have happened for her, firstly, she was very coachable. So I said, you know, involve your audience while you're writing the book. Don't wait until the day that it comes out. She created a pop-up Facebook group of people where she shared stuff about the book and got feedback from them. And, you know, Soul Modes is a framework she's created around women's sort of energetical and emotional flows and how to work with that to have a, you know, happier life. So she had these women in her group. Now, firstly, most of those women ended up working with her in terms of coaching. You know, they loved the book. They loved the idea. She was already active on social media and had a nice following, but she was, she did listen and she, you know, kept putting it out there about the book and sharing things. The day that it came out, she was a bestseller in Australia before the Americans even woke up. And that was in quite a competitive category. And then uh, she did invest in a campaign, like a a marketing campaign with a, a connection of mine. We don't specifically do that. She became a bestseller, Wall Street Journal bestseller, USA Today bestseller. Wow. And obviously she was an Amazon bestseller as well. Yeah. And then she started getting offered speaking gigs, which she'd always wanted to do and was able to contact some people. 
Then she put some feelers out to some agents. And when she had come to me, there was a particular person who's very well known in the sort of, what would you like, human potential sort of motivational Mm -hmm. area. I'm not really sure how you'd categorize it, but someone who's very, very successful. That was sort of her idol. When she came to me a couple of years ago and she said, I want to be like that person. I would have a career like that person. She wanted to be herself, but a career like that person. That person's agent has now offered to rep her for a second book. Nice. So she's actually working with me now on her second book and uh, is putting together a proposal. So firstly, she got all the bestseller stuff. She got the speaking gigs. Then she had a whole lot of new clients, new people in her circle. People get given the book. They come and find her. They end up working with her with one of one of her courses or something like that. Uh, she's got a few different courses she creates. Then she got offered the representation for the second book and she got picked up by a New York publisher who are republishing Soul Modes. So even though she self-published it, yeah. they have taken it and they're republishing it and putting it in bookstores all over uh, the US and Canada and the world. Wow. Uh, that will come out in March. Um, it does take a while for uh, traditional publishing to move, you know, to move their wheels. And she's just created this incredible, she was already on the way certainly, but the book just seemed to open all these doors that just made everything kind of explode in an awesome way. Did you know when that was like, when you were reading her drafts and helping her through, you know, the process of it, were you thinking, Hey, I'm onto something special here? Or was that, was that like, yeah, this is really good. You know, you're on point, you're doing what you need to do. You're getting it out. It's, it's going the way. And then all of, all of this stuff's happening. It's like, did you know? Uh, um, I wasn't surprised. Yeah. I mean, I cried a few times reading her book, you know, because, I think, I suppose I was also the target audience of the book, which helped. So sometimes I'd, you know, I'd cry, I'd leave her a voice message going, Oh my God, this chapter, you know, <laughs> you're killing um, me. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. And she'd say, good. Like when you cry out of it to a good thing. Yeah. Um, you know, she was already a great writer and she's a natural writer. Sometimes I thought, Oh my God, I don't have anything to do here. Mm. Um, but my value for her, she said, I was like a personal trainer of her book. So yeah, I guess I did feel it. And there are certainly clients who, when I see their work, you know, I do, I think this is good, you know? Yeah. There's some people need more involvement and assistance than others for sure. So yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot on the other side, but first you've just got to make the book happen. Mm, yeah. You've got to get, you've got to get that done. And and one thing that I would add to all of that, and, and I think you'll, you'll agree with it as well is I just want to highlight this for the audience as well, from a marketing perspective, because the folks that are listening that are not marketers and are not in this space may not know it. So I really believe in, in digital, there's really three types of marketing that you have. You have push, pull and brand. And so you, you have something that's brand awareness and, and typically somebody that has a small brand, they might be a solopreneur, entrepreneur with a small business. They don't have a lot of money to spend on branding. They're not going around buying billboards with for Coke signs and things like that. So branding is not really done that much with small business, mm-hmm. but the vast majority of marketing that I see online is push is buy my stuff, buy my stuff, come to my webinar, come to my funnel, come and do these things. And people rarely have discovery of them other than advertising or push type marketing. And what I do know about having your own channel and having your own uh, version of communication, whether that's YouTube, Vimeo, your podcast, or a book is that you become very, very magnetic. 
and pool marketing, when pool marketing is working for you and your business, there ain't nothing better than receiving those inbound leads and having an inbox full of invitations to go to events, invitations to go and speak at places and get paid for it. And having your own book is, is probably the number one version of magnetic marketing because it's the one that's been around forever. It's the oldest version of it. And yeah. I just really love, love that. And ha- have you got a version of that that you can share with us maybe from one of your clients there from the pile of books you got on your desk where they were pushing and now it's all coming to them. That's pulling. Yeah. Well, there's a few really, and I suppose Carly probably is another good example of that, that sharing sharing just the process. I think people these days, especially with social media, you know, putting everyone on display, people appreciate authenticity. And that's a bit of an overused word, but if you are authentically authentic, (laughs) you know, sharing your experience of writing the book and having the good day writing days and bad writing days. And that's something that, you know, a, a number of these clients did. Um, I think Rach, Rach Ranton is another one. She was a speaker as well. She's in Brisbane. And this is a great book about leadership lessons. And um, I think this is audio only, isn't it? So no one can see the cover. But uh, it's called Dauntless. It is video as well. We got it on YouTube. So Oh, good, good. So Dauntless, you know, leadership lessons. So we had a great cover done where she's sort of half made up with uh, mm. camouflage from her days in the army. And she basically was documenting the process of not only writing the book, but something I always recommend to the clients that her and Carly and some others have done, sharing little tidbits from the book, you know, little excerpts from the book or saying, you know, today I'm working on chapter three of my book and this chapter is about, you know, the time that I was in blah, 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 or when this happened. And it reminded me of this. And then they might talk about what happened when they were there and or maybe how they've helped a client with something or this reminds me of how so many people struggling with this when they come to me I'm so excited people are going to be reading this yeah and you're not saying buy my book because guess what your book's not even available yet yeah you're just talking about your wisdom that you will be sharing in it people say I want to buy your book I can't wait and so Rach by the time her book was finished and she asked for re- beta readers which are part of the editing process we take them through I think she had so many. I tell them to get 10. She had so many. She cut it off at 35. Beautiful. And I mean, that's a lot of people to volunteer to read your book and give feedback in a week. Yeah. Um, And the week her book came out, she got five speaking gig offers. Oh, wow. Straight away. Yeah. So, um, you know, she did great things straight away. Then COVID happened. So um, a lot of things obviously got put on hold, but yeah, but definitely there is a number of clients who were talking about it along the way and just sharing their knowledge and, and experience. And yeah, it, it pays off. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I really appreciate you sharing that, Catherine, because um, for the for the 80 or 90% of listeners out there thinking about doing it and getting started and writing their book, I just really wanted to telegraph that in this little segment here and, and just let people know that um, being magnetic in your marketing is the number one place to be in your business. And you know, you don't need a, a best-selling book to do that. You don't need to make a million bucks out of your book to do that. Um, you don't need to go to all the trouble of creating a podcast or a YouTube channel. You can actually start writing your book today, right now, after you finish listening to this podcast. There's no excuse. Uh, <laughs> it's something that you can take action on and, and get started with straight away as well. So it's really cool. I appreciate you sharing those stories. All right. 
right, Catherine, as we uh, bump up against 45 minutes here, I just wanted to say thank you so much for, for sharing your knowledge and, and your insights. But I can't let you leave the Go All In podcast without putting you in the Go All In podcaster's hot seat. A little bit of fun to close out the show. One of the things that I love to do and still, I think I, think I still love to do it is to travel in these crazy COVID times. Remember traveling? Remember that? Oh, yes, vaguely. No? Remember <laughs> speaking on stage in audience? What were they? You said that, you know, that lady before, she kind of had all that cancelled. I don't know, what a bummer. I yeah. had a bunch of speaking gigs that were coming up this year as well. Same thing, cancelled, but I'm sure they'll, they'll come back to life sooner rather than later. Tell me, have you got a, a, a favourite Queensland place that should be on my bucket list that I don't know about as a New South Welshman? Uh, look, when we let you up here again. Um, well, that's why I want to know. I want to know the secret spots because it's like more enticing than ever. <laughs> well, we went to Noosa. So, yeah, we've had to uh, rearrange quite a lot of travel and make it all within Queensland. So that's actually been quite good. And we went to Noosa last weekend. Mm-hmm. I haven't been to Noosa properly since I was 13 or something. It's really grown up, same as you have now. Yeah, well, I haven't <laughs> aged today, but um <laughs> But Noosa was so beautiful. The beach is so beautiful Stunning and up. the national park. It's just incredible. So that would, that's our new favourite and we're going to book for two weeks at Christmas. Yeah, it is definitely uh, definitely a beautiful place and somewhere I want to go back to as well. Uh, that's that's not really on the bucket list, but that is on the list of regular places to visit in Queensland. There's kind of no excuse because it's close as well, right? Yeah, drivable. Yeah, I love it. Tell me, uh, what's a skill that you're working on at the moment that you haven't quite mastered yet? Piano. Uh, so I used to sing and, and so, uh, on cruise ships, I used to sing and dance and, and, uh, I'd sung for many years in the, in the London, I was trying to get into the West end stage. So I was a singer, but I was never able to play an instrument because when I was a teenager, it didn't happen. And so I made the decision that I was going to learn to play the piano Mm-hmm. And I'd become single and I went, you know what? I'm sick of dating. I'm going to forget about men and I'm going to learn the piano. <laughs> so I started getting piano lessons so I could play and sing. And I was writing a cabaret that I was going to tour the US. A friend of mine in New York was helping me. So I started learning the piano. And then uh, I met my husband about three <laughs> weeks in. The piano went out the window because I spent all my spare time with him. And then a couple of years ago, I said to him, you know, I really still want to learn the piano. So he bought me a piano for Mother's Day and uh, I started tinkering with the piano. So that's definitely on my bucket list of things that I must, must finish. Like I must do better. Is it like, uh, is it like, it sounds a lot like writing a book, learning an instrument. You got to commit to it for an hour a day and just got to get on with it and get in the habit of it. I do. I need a piano coach to kick my butt. There's probably someone listening out there that's coach <laughs> that can coach you on that. That's a good one. So I love it. And piano is like the hardest instrument of all to learn, isn't it? Well, it was difficult. Yeah. look, I think um, as a kid, I got told that I had piano players um, hands because mm-hmm. I've got long fingers and because I wanted to play and sing, I told that to the teacher that I had, you know, a few, those years ago when I met Andres and um and I, after the first lesson, I was able to play and sing Mull of Kintyre. And he said to me, wow. Uh, he said, you're a natural. And uh, he said, most people, it takes them a long time to play and sing. So I think you're really going to get this. And I was like, yes, yes. And three weeks later, of course, I wasn't playing anymore. And that was it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, last one for the, for the hot seat. What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? I would say it's about getting the balance right between 
researching the market, like validating your offer and getting frozen by inaction because you're trying to reach perfection. I love it. I love it. That's uh, unbelievably true. And I think we've all experienced that at some point in our lives, not just in business, but in life as well. That's uh, that's good business advice. Catherine, it's been an absolute pleasure to host you here on the Goal In podcast. If people want to connect with you and learn more about your business, what's the best way for them to do that? So Facebook is where I have to admit I am the most often. So my Facebook page is Change Empire Coaching, Book Coaching. And uh, my profile, I think I've reached my friends limit, but um, a lot of people follow on me there anyway because I have a lot of public posts. Yep. My page, I'm, you know, I, I'm going through phases with it. I'm, I'm trying out Instagram and I go through phases with LinkedIn. So on Instagram, I'm Change Empire Book Coaching and uh, LinkedIn, Catherine Mora. So definitely uh, people are welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, I go through phases of being committed to that one. <laughs> All right. It sounds really good. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this podcast, just take a little peek at your phone and the links to Catherine's website and her socials will be right there. And if you're watching on YouTube, just scroll down and all of the details to her website and socials are right there in the show notes as well. And also I'll, I'll get a, I'll give a link to you in case anyone is interested in writing a book. I've got a, a checklist and I'll give you a, a special link just for the listeners of your show. They can download the checklist for free that has everything from idea through to uh, launch and promotion. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get that uh, in the show notes as well and make sure you pop on over and join Catherine's ecosystem. Well, once again, thank you so much for coming on the Go All In podcast. I really appreciate it. I wanted to give you the opportunity for the parting comment, the final piece of wisdom from Catherine Mora. What have you got for us? You don't want to wake up at 70 and say, damn, I wish I'd written that book. (laughs) Don't do that. So get going and start writing today. Thanks again for coming on. We look forward to speaking with you soon. It's bye for now. Well, there you have it, folks. If you want to connect with Catherine, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to her website and socials are right there. And Catherine's LinkedIn's right there as well. So you're not going to have to go digging around in Google for them. And if you're watching on YouTube, just scroll on down and all of the links are right there in the show notes as usual for you. Now, as you know, the world is changing at a faster pace and in a direction that none of us could ever have anticipated, especially in these post-COVID times that we're all living through now. The way that we work, the way that we earn income, and the way that we communicate has changed and is changing forever. And my question to you is this, are you keeping up with that change or are you being left behind? Now, if you're just starting out in business, considering a business, or you've been a seasoned entrepreneur for years, then I've created a masterclass that will give you the strategies and the tactics to get you moving to gather some momentum and to break through to the next level. If you'd like to find out some more about it, then hop on over to goallin.com.au and just click on the link there in the menu that says Masterclass. Now, if you've got a message or some feedback for the show, you can reach out via the Goal In socials or you can send me an email at any time. Just visit goallin.com.au to find out more. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're doing, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. Just give it up. I'm not your girl.